Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. And I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to New Books and Law, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm Nick Posick, and today I'm speaking with Enrico Bonadio, whose recent book, Protecting Art in the Street, A Guide to Copyright in Street Art and Graffiti, was published this year by Document Press. Bare walls become blank canvases for vibrant art that introduces beauty, humor, and social critique into public spaces. While there's a debate about whether some street art is a nuisance or a benefit, it is nonetheless deeply integrated into the urban visual landscape and the identity of a city. Only recently, however, have the myriad of copyright issues surrounding street art surfaced. Enrico has been a leading thinker and scholar on street art as intellectual property, and this book is a succinct primer on this topic. Enrico, welcome to New Books in Law. Thanks for for having me. We're discussing your new book, Protecting Art in the Street, a guide to copyright in street art and graffiti. This book is a fascinating read on an area of intellectual property that is quickly gaining attention. Street art and graffiti are terms that we hear used a lot to describe a certain genre of creative work. Uh, we have mental images of works we've seen, you know, either in person on the streets or in the media. Um, but often, you know, we use these terms, graffiti and street art, uh, imprecisely or interchangeably. For our listeners who are, you know, largely legal scholars or uh, lawyers or law students, what do you mean when you write about street art and graffiti? I mean the two uh, two different but close artistic movements. We need to distinguish at the beginning between street art and graffiti. Street art is more about figurative artworks with uh, lots of uh, figurative elements. Uh, graffiti writing, uh, actually the modern graffiti, modern graffiti writing was born in New York City, first Philadelphia and then New York City at the end of the 60s, early 70s. And then it evolved into a mm, lettering art form uh, through the 80s, 90s, and then uh, it, let's say, merged with uh, already existing artistic movements such as muralism. So we need to distinguish uh, graffiti lettering, which is about writing uh, names. See, graffiti writers, uh, that's what they do. They write their names with style, right? Adopting a quite quite different uh, kind of styles. Wild style, Brooklyn style. I mean, the, 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 the kind of lettering styles, the kinds of lettering styles invented and developed in New York are so, you know, so many and then they spread out to the world, I would say. 
On the other hand, we have a street art, which which is a concept uh, started more or less at the end of the nineties, mid uh, late nineties, and again, it's a broad term uh, to include not only paintings on walls, the most uh, you know uh, known form of street art, but also sticker art, wet pasting, uh, abandoning uh, miniatures, uh, objects on the street. So um, terminology here matters, matters a lot. So uh, we need to put everything in context. Street art and graffiti together, I mean, looking at street art and graffiti together makes sense when it comes to, for example, copyright, right? Because here we talk about artworks, placed, created, and then placed in the public environment, on the street, right? So this is what, uh, 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 this is, what uh, is similar of all these, uh, you know, uh, um, various forms of art in the street. They are on the street. They are in the public environment. Great. And I live in Queens, New York. In fact, we mentioned this uh, just a moment ago, um, not far from the former Five Point site you mentioned in the book. Um, and it really was through Five Points litigation that I and I suspect many of our listeners began to think about street art as something that might be protected in some form. Um, with Five Points, it was under VARA. Uh, what compelled you to explore this intersection between street art and copyright and intellectual property? Well, I've always been interested in street art, in art in the street. From the very beginning, uh, one episode, one, one, one thing who, which made me fall in love with this form of art was when I was a teenager, getting out of school, uh, coming, um, coming out of school in the morning, late morning, early afternoon, in my hometown in Tuscany, which is Pisa in Italy. And uh, a guy, uh, I mean, some friends uh, told me, look, go to this square, which was Piazza Sant'Antonio in Pisa, and uh, there is an American guy painting on the back of a church. So I rushed there, and I saw a, a guy painting, really, this, this, this huge wall with um, um, people around him, uh, mainly teenagers, uh, uh, MCing and playing uh, hip-hop and... Uh, Break dancing uh, on the street. So that was my first encounter with street art. After a few minutes, I learned that that guy was Keith Erring, uh, who came to my city and painted this this huge wall. Sadly, then Keith Erring would would die just a few months later. But that was my first encounter with street art. I was a teenager at that time. Then, of course, I went to law school. I started specializing in IP and copyright. Uh, I was living already in Milan, working as a as a copyright lawyer in Milan. There was a good Milan in North Italy. There was a good street art scene at the end of, at the beginning of the two thousand. Right. Uh, it was it was actually booming. Then I moved to London at the end of the 2000, 2009, 2010, so in early 2010, 2011. And I ended up living in East London in the Shoreditch area, Brick Lane, which is an explosion, basically, of street art and graffiti there, right? 
And uh, so um, then I also traveled the world, uh, visited New York, uh, Bushwick, uh, Williamsburg, uh, uh, all these places in New York are full of art. Unfortunately, when I came to New York, Five Points was already gone. Uh, I, I went to Melbourne, uh, Bogota, um, uh, Tel Aviv, and in many places around the world with a good, vibrant street art and graffiti scene. So since I have I had this background, this I, copyright is was my occupation, let's say, and I f- I became passionate about street art and graffiti. I decided I de- I decided to you know put together these two passions. And I thought, but, you know, should these works be copyrightable also when they are created illegally? The fact that they are placed in the public environment, does this fact uh, stand in the way of their copyrightability? So this kind of question, I started asking, wondering, you know, about these issues. And I, I, I decided to start researching, researching on on the subject my research has been both legal and pure legal analysis, but also ethnographic analysis. So what I've done is to uh, talking, uh, making interviews with both street artists and writers, graffiti writers. I interviewed in a few years. I interviewed around uh, 1995, between street artists and and writers. And um, the idea then was to, since I, I also had quite amount of pictures and photographs that I, that I took during these years of research, I decided, why, I thought, why shouldn't I, why, why, why don't I uh, put up, you know, put all together these pictures and uh, publish a photographic book about these issues where I could explain with both words a few words and many images, these, uh, uh, these legal issues. Of course, I used a language which is a layman language. language. It's not a, a, a lawyer's language. So I've tried to keep it uh, divulgative, right? And to explain with simple few words and many images uh, the main legal issues, a sort of kind of guide, right? especially tar- addressing a targeted to artists. So um, I want to clarify, I wanted to clarify to make it easy, as easy as possible these uh, otherwise complicated legal issues. And you really see artists as the target for your book, right? Who who did you write this for? Oh, not, not one artist in particular, but uh, uh, all the community, I would say, of both street artists and graffiti writers. Because... I realized by interviewing them, by talking to them, I realized that, of course, they, they, although some of them are really conscious and aware of the legal tools, but others, I would say most of them, others, uh, understandably were not fully aware of, uh, of uh, the legal tools that they could use to protect their art, um, against imitation, against the corporate appropriation, uh, possibly against destruction. Not the five-point case was about, uh, you know, complaining about the whitewashing. Um, uh, commissioned works, who is the owner of the writing case of commissioned works? What is the role of photographs? Uh, 
uh, what about if they remove my mural uh, from the wall and then they 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 take it they bring it to 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 a gallery for example is it re- illegal or not so I I I I I I I realized that there was this gap right this knowledge gap in the community in the in the community and that's that's that was a gap that I I decided to fill right by by you know by writing a very user friendly I would say a guide short with many images that could uh, you know help them navigate into the legal intricacies right yeah and the book itself is very very well produced and as you mentioned heavily illustrated so it's not surprising that you went with a publisher like document press um a publisher that does arts and cultural books um that has roots in the hip-hop movement rather than a traditional legal publisher uh, how did you come to work with documents well uh, a common friend i would say uh, with a curie- a curator um who basically uh, suggested me to contact document in sweden uh, he, he he said to me look uh, they are they are the best when it comes to urban art uh, publishing uh, um, so I decided to approach them, and uh, yes, it has been a good collaboration, I think, because you know they have in mind their target, not the audience, uh, and uh, so we hope that this publication is, you know, uh, is going to to do the job for which it was, you know, fought and conceived to spread knowledge to clarify doubts if there are doubts right sure and you mentioned the book is you know very handy little book it's it's compact there's these 16 succinct chapters that are almost like um, entries in an encyclopedia um it, some of them you'd mentioned others include sketches ephemerality commissions mm-hmm. collaborations uh, the art market uh, how did you arrive at that selection of topics? Was that a conversation with the publisher? Was it, you know, like choosing your babies? Yes, no, I chose I chose these sections. I, I, I thought, let's divide the book in uh, 16 uh, sections, uh, short ones. So uh, for each of these uh, subtopics or sub-areas, I thought, okay, I put together three, four, five pictures, six pictures, depending on the topic. And then I talk about that particular issue. I don't know. Originality of tags, something which is quite provocative. I know I want to be provocative here. I wanted to be provocative. So I inserted the uh, pictures of dust tags and uh, throw-ups, the bubble letters pieces. And then uh, the issue of ephemerality. Uh, You know, uh, we know that Graffiti and street art is has been is to a certain extent ephemeral, transient, uh, provisional. All right, so I decided to put there uh, pictures of uh, of murals that are fading. Right, just to 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 show how you know these forms of art are, are vulnerable, vulnerable to erasure, to the weather elements to greedy property owners, uh, and so on and so forth. And uh, the legal tools, that which, you know, in theory, could be available to artists to prevent that or to 
complain about about uh, the erasure and the whitewashing. So I thought these mini areas, mini mini topics, uh, they deserve uh, just a few words, introduction, and then uh, uh, images, because we know that images sometimes speak more loudly than words. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there's a ton of them in the book. Um, this is really packed, and they're extremely helpful um, for visualizing concepts. Um, there's also one a juxtaposition that I really like. It's uh, Tilly Kelly painting from 1784, right next to a work from Stick from the 2000s uh, to show appropriation. How did you go about sourcing the images? Well, these are um, uh, basically these are um, uh, paintings that stick used as inspiration, as, uh, you know, uh, source. And basically they are in a stick book. So book uh, stick published the book uh, six, six, seven years ago, and in which he explains, um, he, he published this picture right, based on the original painting. So what I did is to... Uh, retrieve the original painting and put them together with a stick reinterpretation of the of the old painting uh, to show what to show that these forms of art are very much about sharing and appropriation culture a so-called cut and paste culture uh, or reinterpretation culture much more than uh, fine artists so street artists and the graffiti writers appropriate more often than, uh, uh, than, than than fine artists. It's a really characterizing feature of these forms of art, which, however, in my opinion, does not stand in the way of their protectability with copyright. Uh, not at all. Uh, and so I, I, I wanted to... to expand on this on this topic by putting together the old painting and then the new reinterpretation by a street artist i don't know about you but i'm very busy and i don't have a lot of time to cook that's why i subscribe to factor eating better is easy with factors delicious ready to eat meals every fresh never frozen meal is chef crafted dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes you'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week including calorie smart protein plus and keto these are two minute meals factor meals are ready to eat in heat so there's no prepping cooking or cleanup needed they're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50% off. For the other illustrations that appear throughout the book, I notice some of them are your own photography. Others um, are acquired from other places. Did you have to work closely with the publisher in order to clear all the rights for these? How did, I, This would be just, I imagine, a daunting undertaking is preparing a book with this many really you know, rich examples. Um, how did you go about that process? 
I did it almost myself, the clearing of rights. Really? Yes. The clearing of rights has been uh, time-consuming. So for the first time, I I did so, and I really realized how sometimes a copyright could discourage the creation of new works. Because another another person may be less less enthusiastic, another person less uh, convinced than I have been would have given up probably. Because it has been, you know, in this case, I would need the uh, I needed the the authorization of both the artist and the photographer. That in in some in many cases they were different people. So. I would say 20% are my picture, but the other 80% are pictures taken by either the artist or more often other people, both professional photographer and uh, you know normal normal people, no, not professional. So um, it has been quite time consuming, but I wanted to do it, so I, I decided to to spend that time chasing uh, chasing artists and more importantly photographers for just a very few of them we couldn't find the artist or the photographer you know think about stickers right stickers in the city or some wet paste that i found in tel aviv and in japan in other in other countries well in that case i could still use the photo because uh, you know uh, uh, there are some rules which authorize the, the author to use other you know other picture if after a diligent search has been has been has been has been conducted so the funny thing of this is that i used my own experience by saying look you need to chase the the the, the copyright owners in order to be able to use it so i used my own case study for you know clarifying this issue uh, in the book, uh, sometimes, as I said, sometimes copyright can be an obstacle, unfortunately. And what was your source of courage to persevere when it became an obstacle? I I just went. I just I, I didn't give up. I just uh, chased, keep kept chasing the photographer or the artist, or if the artist, the, the photographer didn't reply to me. I would uh, choose another photograph, another picture. Uh, so uh, I just, uh, I was a bit stubborn, right? Uh, uh, didn't give up. And uh, because I, 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 I wanted to publish this, this photographic book. Uh, and when I start a project, uh, there is no way I cannot finish it. And going back to the text of this book, right? These uh, 16, do you call them chapters? Do you call them entries? Sections, I would say, yes. <laughs> How did you arrive at this final selection? Um, were there a bunch of sections that you had kind of left on the cutting room floor? Did you, uh, you know, did you use a bulletin board where you spread them out and try to figure out, okay, what are the things that you want to make sure get into this book? What was your process like for editing this and, and coming up with a final selection? I mean, these are, I mean, the, the main issues, the main issues when it comes to copyright and street art and graffiti. So uh, the, 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 the sticky, I mean, the, 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 the intriguing issues, originality, which is a requirement for copyright, 
sketches. In the case of sketches, we have two copyrights, one for the sketch and one for the final work, which is based on the sketch. The ephemerality is an issue, right? Uh, because uh, fixation is another requirement for copyright protection in many countries. So uh, if an artwork is ephemeral, someone may doubt about, uh, uh, about whether the fixation requirement is met. Uh, and then the collaborations, you know, collaborations between artists may lead to disputes, disputes about joint authorship and joint ownership. The same with commissioned works, right? There might be disputes between the commissioner and the and the the artist. Uh, so I mean, each section, uh, basically each chapter, each section uh, uh, refers to some specific legal issue, to some areas, to some aspects which may trigger legal issues and disputes, right? And I decided to. To, to to choose the most uh, you know the most interesting ones I guess for 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 artists uh, the art market uh, the fact that the copyright could be used for social uses right it is flexible enough to any kind of use right and so, so I decided to you know to to give it this roadmap let's say and were any particular sections easier to write or easier to research than others? Were others more difficult? Did some require more thoughts? Did some require you to, to really revisit and rethink? Well, not, not, no. I mean, they, they have been, I mean, not, not all easy, but uh, some of them I had to study, I had to, to, to match the picture, the right picture with the section, uh, because, of course, there must be there must be correlation between the picture and the, the the words, because the picture help the pictures help the readers readers understand the legal issue, right? So matching the two has been uh, has been uh, has been crucial. And uh, no, I would say it didn't. I mean, it didn't cost me. Uh, it didn't cost me a uh, long time uh, and uh, sweat of the brow to brow to 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 develop um, each of these sections. Of course, the entire work, even if it's a short book, the entire work took me a while. But for other reasons as well, the chasing the photographer, the artist, but the actual. Writing up has been the more you know the more creative, uh, the more creative part, and uh, I also like a, a lot the introduction, the foreword by Zephyr, who is a graffiti legend in New York City, which I think puts everything into context. I would say, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Zephyr's a very established street artist here. Um, how did that forward actually come about? I interviewed him. When I was in New York uh, four years ago, I interviewed and then we, I, I, I mean, we became friends. A very nice person, very nice guy. He, he was so patient. He introduced me a bit to to, to the to, to the to the New York of the seventies. I mean, I already knew through the books, right, through the graffiti literature. But uh, the encounter with Zephyr has opened my eyes even further, right, and. Uh, he made me understand many several aspects that sometimes just from reading the books 
you are not able to to, to grasp, right? So uh, I think Zephyr has been uh, probably one of the artists, if not the most interested, uh, the artist most interested in what I was doing, right? Uh, the most enthusiastic, I would say. And this forward, I think, this forward confirms his enthusiasm for this book and in general for copyright as applied to these forms of art. Because we need to we need to be honest and say that uh, several, not 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 many, I would say, but several graffiti writers, more graffiti writers, and to a lesser extent, street artists, especially graffiti writers, are some of them are still reluctant. They are still skeptical about street about copyright as applied to graffiti. I respect that, especially the hardcore graffiti writer. So it's not a monolithic subculture. It's a quite, you know, uh, various. I mean, there are various uh, opinions within uh, this pot, you know, within these graffiti subcultures. And so I respect the opinions of, uh, I would say, a, a large, uh, a, I mean, a part, at least a part of the subculture, uh, which is still uh, uh, quite skeptical about invoking a property right, right? Because they say we are vandalizing properties most of the time. So why can why why should we uh, rely on 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 another form of intellectual property? This is especially true for illegal graffiti writing. Let's say bombing the bombing at night. Let's say, but you know. The, this is the just a part of the bigger picture that I wanted to describe with this book, right? Yeah, and just for our audience quickly, can you describe what bombing is just so that we are clear that it's yeah. not anything dangerous or not anything violent? No, yeah, you know, just uh, I used uh, you know, graffiti terminology that needs to be clarified. Bombing, uh, especially in New York City uh, in the 70s and the 80s, but until also now is the term is the verb used to um, describe the graffiti writers in action, especially those who paint illegally at night on the trains on the train subways or on uh, you know other urban surfaces, but illegally. Let's say so. Uh, the terminology is also very important because, especially for the graffiti subculture, not not just not much for the street art one. The street art subculture is more open to the public, right? It's more appreciated by the general public, while the graffiti subculture is perceived less, uh, uh, in a a less friendly way, let's say, and a welcoming way by the general public, let's say. And this terminology of course, confirms, right, the, 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 the kind of uh, niche area we are talking about, the graffiti, the graffiti, the illegal graffiti subculture, I would say. So y- y- you can see that, uh, I mean, sometimes these definitions, these labels that we give are not appropriate. It's difficult to give a precise definition because there are several graffiti writers who also do street artworks, so figurative stuff. And vice versa, there are also street artists that sometimes either they come from the graffiti writing experience, and so they keep doing both. 
so uh, the line distinguishing the two subcultures is quite blurred. And going back a bit, um, something that's really interesting to me uh, that you mentioned that no particular section of this book or no particular part of this book was, you know, uniquely challenging, but you felt that producing this entire publication presented its own array of challenges. What did you learn in that process? What did you discover about um, graffiti and street art and not only the legal frameworks, but also the kind of broader social issues in producing this publication? How did this really inform your thinking? Well, uh, most artists that and writers I have approached to ask them if I could use their pictures were happy about that. That's understandable because uh, it gives them visibility, right? Especially for the for the less known ones, right? In the book, there are also pictures of very well known. Uh, uh, street artists such as the Black Lerat, Futura, uh, Shepard Ferry, of course, they are very established. So uh, for them, it's not really a big, a big thing, uh, of course, even if they might be happy. But for those uh, less well-known, it's probably is even better. So it increases. So uh, that was something which I learned, right? Uh, they like exposure, I was not surprised about street artists because I know street artists, they like exposure and visibility also amongst the other other circles, other uh, entourage. But some writers also, the, some writers here were, were happy you know, to, that I included their works in the, in the, in the book. So this, is, this was, was a nice thing, I think. And uh, something which I learned uh, uh, as I said, a part of the difficulties in finding the, the sometimes in chasing for people for the clearance of rights. Uh, what I think also in the other way, what I think this uh, research I, I made for coming up with this book, what I think this research has done is also to help them understand you know, this issue. So, of course, the book per se aims at increasing knowledge. But in the making of the book, uh, I spoke to artists, right? Because I, I asked them uh, if I could use their pictures. So I, I talked about the very same issues which are dealt with in the, in the book. And um, some of them have uh, replied, have changed their behavior because of the encounter with me. So, for example, some of them, they have started inserting the copyright symbol next to their murals after talking to me, which is something uh, very good. I mean, which is something uh, which I am quite uh, happy about. Because it means that my research, my study, has been able to change some behaviors for the better, in my opinion. So you're really helping artists to think very carefully about this work. And you mentioned other artists, of course, are somewhat resistant to copyright as well. So that's a very interesting thing. Um, 
what has been the overall reception for this book? How um, has it be, been received by artists? And I imagine also many legal scholars are interested in this as well. Have you heard any feedback yet? Not precise, because I mean, it was uh, published in Europe in November, in America, December, January. So it's still a bit early to have a clear uh, picture of the feedback. But the early, the early um, impressions I had were I got were positive of both artists and and the legal and the legal scholars. Uh, because I mean, so far there has not been anything like this, you know, a photographic book on this issue. So it, it, it is the first. It is the first, and um, actually, it is not my last <laughs> effort in this field because I'm working now on a on a, on a book, not photographic, a, a normal book on um, on the uh, basically what I'm doing is putting together the most interesting bits of my interviews with the street artists and writers. Uh, so what I want to do there is to publish this monograph, short monograph, uh, where the voice from the street comes out, the opinions of street artists and writers on copyright, on copying, imitation, and so, destruction, this kind of stuff. Uh, so that would be a sort of... Uh, continuum of this research of this photo from the photographic book towards maybe a more uh, a divulgative uh, not without many photos just just words um, probably a more academic book but not legal to be more socio 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 legal where i will uh, make uh, the interviews with the, the artists emerge from the street mm-hmm. And what inspired that? It's an interesting tack to take. Well, because I, when I, when I, when I saw all my interviews, the transcribed, no, and I, I print them, I printed them out. I had like you know two hundred pages of interview. Of course, then I needed to work. I'm working on them and to turn them into a book. So I thought I have these amount of data from the street, the voice of the street, the voice of artists and writers on these issues. I need to give these voices a space in the academic world or in the even in the less academic because this book will be more divulgative, let's say, than with some academic insights, of course, but it will be more divulgative. So I thought, why should these interviews remain in the, you know, in the, on my desk? They should instead go out. And uh, now I am in, in the process of, uh, you know, uh, of uh, putting together these interviews with the other, you know, with other uh, pieces of, of of study I've made, so uh, it will not be entirely interviews, but I would say on 70 percent of the book, sixty-five, let's say, will be interviews, and then my my considerations, my thoughts, uh, and uh, my you know my ideas around that. Yeah, yeah, and I think it will be the first, the first of book of this kind with uh, all these opinions and ideas. So I want to give artists and writers voice. 
and to unearth their 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 opinions, which now are quite submarine, are quite hidden. Nobody knows what they think. Why do you think that is? Because nobody asked them so far. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not a topic that which is, you know, uh, there are been cases, as you may know, there have been cases in America, so scholars have started talking about these issues and writing about these issues, uh, uh, also other academics. Uh, there have been a few books uh, which are the result of, you know, ethnographic analysis, but just a couple of them. But uh, not with uh, with the necessary uh, opening and not with the necessary depth, I would say. So it sounds like you are going to produce yet another tremendous contribution to a very important conversation. <laughs> I hope so. Yes, I hope so. All right, Enrico. Well, I wanted to congratulate you on Protecting Art in the Street, a guide to copyright in street art and graffiti, a publication that I've enjoyed immensely and I strongly recommend for anyone either in the legal field or especially anyone who's interested in any branch of art law. And I wanted to thank you for joining me on New Books in Law. Nick, thanks. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure to stay with you and to, to answer your questions. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.